Welcome to the podcast of Selmore Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri. To learn more about our church, please visit selmorebaptist.com. And now, here's the sermon. Well, good morning again. As Brother Clay said, Josh is on vacation, so I get the privilege of speaking to you this morning. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 6, where we'll be this morning, beginning in verse 11. What a wonderful book the book of Romans is. We've been studying that in our small group. Just a great study we're having through there. But there's just one passage that's spoke to me so much and has helped so much in my walk with the Lord. And I know it'll be of value to you as well as we look at this, these verses, uh, chapter 6, verses 11 through 14. Now in the book of Romans, Paul if you want to outline the book, uh, basically you can outline it in terms of five doctrines that he covers, beginning with the doctrine of condemnation, and then the doctrine of sanctification, or justification, and then sanctification, then glorification, and consecration. Say, man, those are a lot of shun words, aren't they? A lot, of, a lot of big words for us to understand, but they're words that should be common to our Christian vocabulary, and we're going to go a little bit slower, but we're only going to focus on the first three this morning. Condemnation, justification, and sanctification. Sanctification is our main focus. And sanctification means growing in the likeness of Christ, becoming holy as he is holy. So in this doctrine of condemnation, Paul starts out by saying that the whole world is condemned because we have sinned and we have no excuse. We can tell that there's a God of the universe who has created all this just from the, the wonders of it. And as we learn more about science and about how the body's put together, we know that none of that could happen by accident. It all had to be because of a design that was uh, ordained by God. God created it. God has fashioned it all so that it all survives and he holds it all together. He is the creator. And he's created us. And as we were singing, he's created us for his glory. He didn't just create us to come down here and have a good time or do the best we can. He created us to bring glory and honor to him. Our life is to be poured out as a, a worship of our heavenly father. Well, in Romans 3.23, Paul says that all have sinned. Every one of us has sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. and Therefore, we deserve condemnation. We don't match the glory of God. We should not be allowed, we cannot be allowed into heaven because of our sin. But then we get to the doctrine of justification, where Christ, God in the flesh, has come, lived a sinless life, died upon the cross to pay the price for our sins. And there's power in that blood, as we sang, right? He has paid the price for our sin that we might be forgiven. And he's paid the price for everybody's sins. But it's a matter of our accepting it, our putting our trust in Christ, following him, and receiving the, the forgiveness that he offers to us. So Christ then died upon the cross, he rose again on the third day, and he's reigning in heaven today, and he's dwelling in the hearts of everyone who has put their trust in him. In doing this, he's reconciled us to God. We were enemies of God. And now he's paid the price, and as we put our trust in him and quit trusting in ourselves, then he has reconciled us to God. We are at peace with God. And the end result is we will spend eternity in heaven. But there's a lot of good results between now and then, between now and when we go, because we are to live for him and to bring glory and honor to him. 
So Paul would say to us, believe. Repent of your sins. Put your trust in Christ. Quit trying to earn your salvation on your own because you just can't do it. Isaiah said our own our righteousness is like filthy rags. And that won't even buy us a seat in the balcony in heaven. No, we need the righteousness of Christ is what we need. And he has made that possible for us. Romans 5, 8, Paul said that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. We, we can't earn our salvation. We don't have to do anything to clean ourselves up to get ready for Christ. No, that's not what he's asking us to do. He just says, put your trust in me. We'll take care of that through the sanctification process. God will, will bring us to, to live for him as we submit to this Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you've never put your trust in Christ, then I encourage you to do that. Give, give yourself over to Jesus Christ and begin to live for him. If you're a Christian, this, duck, this message will surely apply to you and surely bring some success to you in your life as you live for, the, for our Heavenly Father. So let's look at the doctrine of sanctification. Now, I'm going to read the passage in just a little bit if you're worried about when's he ever going to get to that. Well, I'll, I'll get down to those verses in just a minute. But the doctrine of sanctification, that in growing in Christ-likeness, becoming like Christ, this is basically how believers are to live. How we're to live. Now, I'm not going to give a, a list of sins for risk of becoming uh, legalistic. No. If you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And the Holy Spirit's going to tell you what's a sin and what isn't. So we'll just trust the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to search your hearts and let you come to your own conclusions on that. Let Him guide you rather than giving you a rule that you have to follow. Because we're not about just following rules. We're about a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are several commands in the Scriptures of how we're supposed to live as believers. In Ephesians 4.1 it says, Walk worthy of your calling. Walk worthy of the sacrifice of Christ. Christ, God in the flesh, came and died upon the cross so that we might be forgiven of our sins. Shall we go on sinning? He says, walk worthy of that sacrifice. Pursue holiness, it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. You know, that phrase is at least four times in the book of Leviticus. That's very important to God. And he would say that over and over. Sin and death have no dominion over our Lord, have no dominion over us because of Christ's sacrifice for us, because of what he has done. We are united to a risen Christ, not a dead Savior. He's a risen Lord, not just a martyr. He is God who was in the flesh and is living today and ruling today. And he provides all the power that we need to live in a manner that honors him and brings glory to him. And it's every, every true believer's desire to live in a way that's pleasing to God, to be, become more and more like Christ. Every true believer will want to do that. John 14, 23 says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Pretty clear, isn't it? We'll follow Christ if we truly do love him. We also know that as believers, that we all still sin. We are not perfect. But 
God says through John over in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and restore us to fellowship with him. Our sins separate us, our fellowship from him. We don't lose our salvation once we put our trust in Christ, but our relationship with Christ can be strained and our prayers can become ineffective when we have sin residing in our hearts and in our lives. Now, why do we do this? Why do we continue to sin? Well, we have that sinful nature, don't we? That sinful nature says, I want to rule, I want to be in charge of things rather than submitting to God and giving glory and honor to Him. And we know that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion. He's wanting to devour those whom he, can, whom he may. And we all know what happened to Peter. You think Peter... One of the apostles, you'd think that he had a, a privileged relationship with Christ, walking with him for three years, listening to him, seeing him do all those miracles, experiencing the love and the example of Christ. And yet Peter was tempted by Satan and denied our Lord three times. So we should not think that we're immune to that kind of temptation. So as we move to our passage then, I would like to lead us in a word of prayer that we might receive this word and it might be meaningful to us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today and for this encouragement from your scripture. Lord, you've told us how we need to live. You've provided for us the strength to do so. And Lord, I just pray that this passage will be a help to us as we continue to, to seek your glory, to seek to be like you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. It says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey in it in its evil desires. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Well, it's a very clear passage, isn't it? Doesn't need much explanation. You say, well, pastor, why don't you just sit down and we'll just read this again to ourselves. But it's a, a great passage. But it's got some three basic truths in here that I'd like to bring out. And they all start with an R. So you'll be able to recognize one of the first one is reckon yourself dead to sin but alive in Christ. Now that's from the, the New King James Version. The Old King James also said uh, reckon. Other translations will say count, consider yourself, uh, realize. Reckon kind of an old word for us. But it means to look at the facts, make a decision from it, and then act upon that. That's what reckon would mean. To, with all the information that you have, decide what is the truth. And he says, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive in Christ. He begins that statement with likewise. Just like Christ in the previous verses, he's saying, Christ died upon the cross and he was resurrected. And he will never die again. And he's saying the same way. We are resurrected from our death to sin when we put our trust in Jesus Christ and we are resurrected to a new life in Christ. In Romans chapter 6, 
a little bit earlier in the passage, verses 4 through 8, says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. When you put your trust in Christ, you receive a new life. Amen? Christ comes to dwell within you. His Holy Spirit is dwelling within you. And it's a new life that we live. We're dead to sin. Doesn't mean we aren't going to sin anymore, but it means you don't have to sin anymore. Because Christ has given you all you need to resist sin. So recognize that we are dead to sin. He says if, in verse 5, If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like Christ. Hallelujah. That is wonderful news for us. Well, if you happen to be feeling a little weak in your walk with the Lord, your position with Him, go back and read Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. And read about all the benefits that we have there. He just goes through there and lists those. You're, you're an heir of the kingdom. You're, you're this, a child of the, of the king. Just a wonderful passage to read and, and be strengthened in who you are in that reckoning yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. Victory over sin is available. We are heirs, heirs of the kingdom, heirs of Christ, but we may not live like it. But we can. We can move in that direction. We must claim that inheritance and we will have a changed life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Have you realized that in your walk with the Lord? Have you realized that once you put your trust in Christ, you were a new creation and that your life is different? Praise the Lord. What a wonderful thing he has done for us. As we said, every true believer wants to become more like Christ. He says, count, consider, realize, or reckon yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. The reason we can do is because we have knowledge of who we are in Christ. We have appreciation for what he has done for us. Our life is no longer tied up in sin. We're not a slave to it anymore. We are now living in Christ. And when we realize, when we realize, when we reckon, when we count, when we consider that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ, then we'll start living that way. But it begins with, with proper thinking. Holy living is rooted in holy thinking and understanding. We're alive to Christ, living for Christ, and obedient, loving him. Our second point that we get from this is in verse 12. Resist temptation. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Oh, some people think that God's just going to zap us completely holy when we put our trust in Christ. Well, he gives us his righteousness, but that he doesn't say, all right, from now on, you're going to live without sin completely. As we already read in 1 John 1, 9, if anyone says he's not a sinner, then he's, he's a liar, he says. No, he, but we must cooperate with the Holy Spirit that he's given us. He's dwelling within us, and our spirit must cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he guides us and directs us. But it requires determination. Pastor mentioned that in Hebrews uh, the other day as he was preaching through there. Determination is required. 
each time that temptation comes. We must say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this thing that's a sin anymore. You ever recognize that point where the Holy Spirit's questioning something that you're thinking about doing? And he says, that just didn't according to what God would have us to do. We have that opportunity at that point to turn away from that, to recognize that we're not supposed to live that way. There are three errors regarding sin that we hear from time to time. First one, the sinless perfection idea. The, the idea that I have reached the point of my Christian life to where I no longer sin. I've heard some false teachers proclaiming this on radio and TV. They'll say, I'm at that point where I don't sin anymore. Well, if you ever hear one of them saying that, you know they're a false teacher right off because that's not what the Bible teaches. So, sin is possible. And therefore, we must be alert. We must be on guard against it. And not just think that we're living a perfect life. The second one is that sin is inevitable. So, okay, I'm going to sin. I'll just go along with the flow. I won't worry about it. It happens, it happens. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches either. And Paul didn't think that that was a good way for us to, to live our life. Our sin is an affront to the holiness of God. It is an affront to His holiness. And the insult to Him, sin, is serious. Even the slightest sins are rebellion against God and His holiness because we're determined to do things our way. Now Paul was, in chapter 5 of Romans, was talking about the grace of God and how God's grace overcomes our sin. As we confess it to Him, He forgives our sin. His grace. And so it says in verse 1, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? His answer is, by no means. No means are we going to do that. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means, he says. If you can just imagine his passion, as he was saying, known to be a passionate preacher that Paul was. And you can just imagine the way he was saying that. And then the third error that we find regarding sin, so we've got the sinless perfection idea, we've got the inevitability of sin, so go along with the flow, and then third, we must fight it in our own strength. You know, people say, well, I just do the best that I can. Or I'll just try to be a little bit better each day. But no, we have more available to us, more power available to us than our own effort. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us to empower us. We have God's Word to guide us and to sanctify us as we study it. As we, we realize we are in spiritual warfare and we don't just fight that with our own strength. No, spiritual warfare is fought in spiritual realms with spiritual tools, spiritual weapons. We fight with the Word of God as we study that with the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and with prayer. That's how we struggle against the sinful nature and keep it in, con in control. We have the Holy Spirit, we have God's Word, we have prayer, and Christ is our shield. He's our source of strength. The good news is we can have victory. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Our Heavenly Father is ready and willing to listen to our pleas for help. He's ready to hear our prayers. He's ready to intercede with us before the Father. And he has experienced the temptation himself. You look at the temptations he went through in the, out in the wilderness. The temptation to satisfy the physical needs. The temptation to satisfy the desire for glory. The temptation to satisfy power. He went through the, all of those and many others throughout his life which aren't identified. But every type of temptation that we go through, he has already gone through. He's aware of everything. And besides that, he's omnipotent and omniscient. He knows everything that's in our heart, everything that we are experiencing. And he has already won the victory. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I've had people say to me, well, you just don't know what my, my issues are. Well, no, I don't know them all, but my Heavenly Father knows. Christ knows what we're going through, knows what you're going through. You're not unique. Nothing that we're experiencing is new. It's all been experienced before. And God is always with us. Christ is always with us. It doesn't say he'll take us out of that temptation, but it says he'll give us the strength to bear through it. To go on. He's with us through the trials and temptation. He didn't deliver us all out of the COVID thing this year and say, well, you don't have to deal with this at all. No, we're going through it. We're all experiencing the effect of that. But he's giving us the grace to handle all of these trials, all financial problems, all personal problems, all problems we might have in a way that will bring glory and honor to Christ. He's given us that power. Christ has won the victory. 1 John 5, 4 said, Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that's overcome the world. Even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Paul gave us some more practical information over in Ephesians 4, 22. He said, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self and put on the new self. You remember that passage? Put off the old and put on. That sounds like we got to be involved in that, doesn't it? We are engaged with the Holy Spirit as he is empowering us, guiding us, giving us wisdom, and we must cooperate with him. In Romans 12, 2. Paul said, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say, well, why would he emphasize the mind? Well, because sin very often begins in our thoughts. If it doesn't begin there, it sure comes to our thoughts real quick, and we have to decide, what are we going to do with that? So, transform by the renewing of your mind. How are we going to renew our mind? By reading God's Word. By spending time in prayer. By having that fellowship with our, our Lord. And have that relationship with him. So what do we do with our thoughts? You can't keep those thoughts from coming to your mind. They come. Satan's going to put them in there. Going to give you a visual of something that you shouldn't be looking at again. He's going to give you thoughts of anger or bitterness or whatever. Those are going to come up. How do we deal with them? 
Well, we can just let it go and we can play it out and continue to sin with it. Or, as he says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You ever think about that? Taking captive of that thought. Thought comes into your mind, and that, uh, that's not from God. I'm not going to think that thought. I'm going to put proper biblical thoughts in my mind rather than thinking about those kind of things. We're told to think about those things that are, are good, those things that are proper, those things that are beautiful. Those are the things we're to think about. The things that are in God's Word that are true rather than the lies that Satan is presenting to us. Take that thought captive, reject it, say, that's got to be from Satan, it's not from God, I don't want any part of it, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. That's why he puts this in here about the mind. The mind is so important. So reckon yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. Resist temptation. And then finally, third point, relinquish control to the Holy Spirit. Relinquish. Give it up to Christ. Romans 6, 13 and 14. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. This is faith. Giving yourself to Christ. Offering your, your body, your, your thoughts, your whole being as instruments of righteousness rather than instruments of wickedness. The sin shall have no dominion over you. Offer yourself to God. You know, Christ bought us at a price. He paid for our sins. He paid for our soul upon the cross. So that we might have forgiveness of sins. That we might be reconciled to God. And now he's saying he wants to take possession of, our prop of his property. He wants possession, ownership of us. He bought us with a, with a price. We have that indwelling Holy Spirit that guides us, that tells us if our action is a sin, guides us on the righteous way. We cannot let sin have control. Can't let the old desires have control. We live thankfully for Christ as one who has been brought from death to life. In Romans 8.13, a couple of passages there in Romans 8 that I don't hear very often. But they are mighty, mighty verses that are in there. Very, require some serious thought. It says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Will we be led by the Spirit of God? Or will we be led by our own flesh, by our own will? We must make that choice. Galatians 5.16 Live by the Spirit and you will not glorify the desires of the sinful nature. We have a new master. We have a new covenant that we're under. It's not law. It's not rules. But it's by grace that we live. We are crucified with Christ. We're resurrected with Him. We can live a victorious life which is the normal Christian life. Not by striving but by faith. If you've already surrendered your life to Christ, then I hope this message is, is, 
strengthening you as you encounter temptations. You'll be able to refer to this. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day to recognize that you need a Savior. Without Christ, the outlook is not good. There is an eternity ahead for each one of us, and we may spend it with Christ or apart from Him in hell. Trust Him and receive the forgiveness of salvation that He is offering. So, reckon yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. Resist temptation. Relinquish control to the Holy Spirit. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, I pray that we will take this message to heart. Take your scripture to heart. We'll reread this, Lord, and understand it better that we might bring glory and honor to you in the way that we pursue this life. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's dwelling within us, that is our conscience, that guides us. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness you've offered us and for the power that you've given us to live victoriously in a way that pleases you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.